0: You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Welcome, welcome to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with me, Lisa Check. Today, in in episode 10, we're going to be talking about the different kinds of creativity. Are you an amateur? Are you a professional? And what about sacred creativity? So here's what's happening on the farm. It is mid-February, and we have started this pre-spring, post-winter, pre-spring post-winter, kind of jockeying back and forth of the weather. Last um, week, Thursday, I think, we had like 60-degree weather. I put on a skirt. I almost had uh, on my flip-flops. Um, wasn't quite that warm or not quite acclimatized to that yet, but it did cross my mind. And then we had some snow on uh, Saturday into Sunday, And now we're back down into the cold again, but ever hopeful that again, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, we're going to get back into the fifties and sixties. We're really looking forward to spring. I think uh, many of us have had enough of winter, although we didn't get a huge amount of snow. We really just had three snow days, I think. Um, But we've had so much cold, cold weather in the teens and the 20s, never getting above freezing. As a fiber farmer, um, it's really good to have these really, really freezing temperatures because it means that um, some of the parasites in the soil will die. And so in the springtime, we we shouldn't have as many problems with... um, sheep and goat um, diseases and health problems, so that's good. Um, We haven't had a lot of mud, so we haven't had a huge amount of um, hoof issues, and um, so that's good as well. just, I think it's just mainly me and Bill, you know, it's just too darn cold. Um, And we are looking forward to it being a little warmer out. And that's what's happening here on the farm. So this is episode ten of the season, and it's the season's been all about creativity. So, you know, we've done podcasts about resources, you know, good books to read, um, places to get good information, podcasts to listen to. Besides ours, Um, we've talked about how creativity is a human right and it's a human need. Um, We've talked about raising creative kids. I did some. Fun conversations with some friends who have been raising creative kids. And um, we talked about different activities and things that had really helped in raising of their children. Um, Last time we talked about inspiration. Well, we've talked about inspirations all along, let's just face it. But we also talked about burnout last um, episode and how to get around that, and finding inspiration—you know—around you, know, around you um, going out to find inspiration, looking for inspiration online, um, and how to get through the inevitable burnout that you um, are could possibly um, encounter, because burnout is a natural part of the creativ- creativity creativity um, cycle, just like. Burnout is a natural part of any kind of stressful working um, cycle. There's, and we just have to find a way to get through it because it is inevitable. Um, and I've given you 10 different creative exercises. I hope you guys are doing them. Um, I keep looking for people who um, have, w- will want to share their experiences with those We've had some, like, make a big mess, kick yourself window shopping, um, just different kinds of artist dates that you can do with yourself or your family and um, in order to just bring a little bit more creativity into your life. So in today's episodes, we are talking about the different kinds of creativity. <clears throat> so, um, and I'm just using these, Um, labels, because they make sense to me. Um, For instance, if you are an amateur, and we'll talk about what that means, um, don't get worried yet. But your creativity is for yourself and for those in your immediate circle of friends or family. Maybe you're someone who, you know, makes um, socks for everybody for Christmas, or is um, making a baby quilt for every grandchild, or um, it's uh, making beautiful sweaters and hats and scarves for yourself and for your family. Then there's a professional level of creativity and that's when you are using your creative energy to make things for other people and other people in a bigger sense, bigger than your friends, bigger than your family. Um, your, you know, it could be your community, it could be your nation, it could be even internationally. And then there's c- sacred creativity, and that's, that is what you do purely for yourself, um, and it's not generally shared with others. Um, it can be, but it's not generally shared with others. So we'll be talking about that today. So are you an amateur? And I don't want you to think that this is... So many times, the word amateur is kind of used as a derogatory statement, and I certainly don't mean that at all. And so when you look at the definition of an amateur, it's a person who engages in a pursuit on an unpaid rather than a professional or paid basis. So it's an unpaid person, but it's also someone who makes, who gets enjoyment, who makes, who when they make, they make for the pure enjoyment of it rather than a payment. And so the derogatory part comes from some of the other topics that we've talked about this season already, which is um, the committee, those voices in your head that are putting you down or saying you're not good enough. Um, And it also comes from our societal um, need, I guess, to put artists up on a pedestal. Um, there's an idea out there that anyone who engages in craft um, is not an artist, that craft is not art. And that means that makers of baskets and textiles and pottery, and every other maker who is not a visual painter, sketcher, um, you know a visual artist, that they are not artists. Um, that the crafts are not, art and would never be art and that that perspective in my opinion is just not right especially when you look at the um the artistry and the skill that it takes to for many of those makers um of function could it be functional items or purely aesthetic items that might be baskets or textiles or pottery um that those the, the the skill of those artisans is right up there with any other artist that would purely be someone who was just um, making visual art, that they were making a a sculpture or a two dimensional painting or photography or something like that. So I really believe that um, our society has made kind of, you know, it shot themselves in the foot by making it's um, the, the definition of artist and art so small and not encompassing all of the beautiful work that goes into making. And part of that, as far as an amateur, is. You know what am I doing this for? Because again, that's the committee in your head, or at least in my head, um, feeling like you are wasting your time or you're wasting your money. Why? Why are you buying another skein of yarn? Someone might say, "Don't you already have so much yarn?" Instead of looking at how much enjoyment, pure enjoyment that you are getting from having a multitude. Of colors and textures, and um, and and softness or um, halo, like you know the difference between having something that uh, you know it has some mohair in it, so it has a lovely halo on it, and so it gives you know this very different texture than say a silk yarn, which is you know totally sleek and lustrous and looks like. A, you know, a piece of uh, metal as opposed to um, a thread. Um, that there's pure enjoyment in in the skills that you have, in the collection that you have, in the tools that you have, um, and that's and, and so being a amateur at that level is just making something purely out of the enjoyment of it. The enjoyment of having someone open up that package that you just sent, and there's a beautiful, soft, um, vibrant shawl inside, um, and that's their present for their birthday. Um, and it's just, it, it's empowering to be someone who can make um, a beautiful item for themselves or for their family. Um, sometimes we get so involved in those thoughts, though, of, you know, what are you doing this for? Why are you wasting your money? Why are you wasting your time? That you don't even notice the enjoyment. That you are. might be feeling a tad bit, bit guilty. Or um, you might be feeling like, oh, I, ha- I can only do this a certain number of or a certain time of day so that nobody can see what I'm doing and nobody will ask me why am I wasting my time those kind of things Um, and there's sometimes there can just be total frustration over um, you know a yarn that isn't working out or a pattern that isn't working out and we forget oh this is supposed to be fun And then at times like those, it's really important to just like set that aside so that you can get back to the feeling of I'm doing this purely for enjoyment. Now, if you're lucky enough or if you are hardworking enough, you can actually start to sell your work. And even even if you... Consider yourself at the amateur level. You've all had people um, come up to you when they see you knitting or spinning or crocheting and say, "Can you make that for me?" Um, so when you get into this uh, into this level of starting to sell your work, it can bring about you know whole different dilemmas um, because now you're not just making for you; you're making for the broader community. Sometimes we have to put our own creative decisions aside in order to make something that we, air quote, think someone is going to like to buy. Um, In my experience, there are um, a whole lot of blue people and a whole lot of purple people. But let's say if you don't, if you aren't a purple person, if you don't really enjoy purple, you may still have to make purple things because the, all those purple people are going to be looking for purple. So that's what I'm saying is that sometimes you have to put your own creative um, decisions aside in order to make something that we think somebody else will buy. I know I love the, I love gold. Um, and a lot of people will come right up to those skeins that have gold in them or are totally our gold in color, and they are always drawn in by those gold colors, but they don't buy the gold colors because nobody thinks they look good in gold colors. I have run across a couple of people um, over the years of, of doing fiber festivals where you know you've got a gold person because they are actually wearing a sweater that's gold or a scarf that's gold, and it's like, yay! Um, come and look at my gold. I have some really cool things you might really like. Um, and even though I know that gold is not a big seller, I still enjoy it. I still use it. And, um, eventually someone that, that person who is another gold lover will come and get it. Um, and sometimes we get involved in making commissions. So again, somebody will say, can you make a sweater for me? Um, and I've learned through, um, experience that it's really hard to work to someone else's specifications because you don't know exactly what they see in their head. Um, and so I have said that it can be daunting and it can be haunting and yes, it's almost always less than perfect. Um, but still if you have the stamina and if you're hardworking, you can you know, get to that level of professional creativity. And then sometimes you have to ask yourself, well, who am I doing this for? And you know, it's a lot of times if you are stuck in that um, commission hole that you got yourself into, you do need to stop and say, who am I doing this for? Um And is it worth it? Is it worth my time and effort? And it also ha- it also ca- can be somewhat of an existential um, situation where you just have to it will bring up questions about how much is your time worth? And um, it can also bring that whole committee feeling back into play as far as, you know, oh, we knew that you couldn't do that, or, um, you know, who do you think you are thinking that you could uh, make that sweater for $1.99 or something like that, you know? Um, And so it's really important that, you know, when you are working on a professional basis to really make sure that you are um, indulging in a lot of reflection and self-care and knowing that, Um, knowing why you are making this and knowing who that you're making this for. um, Are you, um, is your creativity being fed by this process or is it being, um, I don't want to say killed, but is it being lessened by this process? Um, Because the whole point is, is this creativity, this wellspring of creativity is such a joy to, to use and to feel, and you really want that to be um, what your li- I do at least I I want my life to be more of that, and so anything that reduces the that wellspring and creativity, I want to try to um, eliminate and or lessen in my life. And then there's the sacred creativity. Okay, so this is creativity. These are things that you make or ideas that you have that is just purely for yourself and nobody else. And it's creativity that's directly coming from your soul. It's not for your family. It's not for your friends. It's not for the community at large. This is something that is coming out from you that needs to be expressed and a lot of times these items, that, that whether it's a poem, a story, um, a, it could be something knitted, something woven, um, all of these things, they're intensely personal and they're intensely meaningful. And a lot of times these pieces can also be very um, symbolic and meaningful just to you. And that's the time when you really need to choose whether you're going to share those items with others, of course, you never have to, um, but, and you want to, you know, keep that, that sacred creativity in a place that is um, sanctified and is respected. Um, And when you have this kind of connection between your sacred creativity and using your hands. This working this way integrates your inner life and your outer life, and it helps you to become more fully who you are. I also wanted to talk a little bit about entering your first show, and this again kind of talks about um, you know amateur versus professional. Um, it is really fun to enter shows and it is so so scary to enter a show. But also know that there are high stake shows and lower stake shows. And so when you're starting out, I always say to pick a lower stake show just to get some experience under your belt. And building that experience and having um, a good time with this and um how, and get, getting good comments from people will build that confidence so that you can move onward and upward with the next show. So think about shows that aren't juried, such as like a county fair, a state fair. There may be um, an entry fee, but they're usually nominal. Um, what's great about them is that they do, um, the judges typically do leave comments. Um, that can help you in the future. Be sure to read, capitalize, R-E-A-D, read the requirements because they are very specific. And also, you want to talk to other people who have entered that show because there may be some tweaks that will help you become more successful. So my story about this is uh, for the Maryland Sheep and Wool. I, I had never really entered any show and I thought, um, I think it's time that I, I do something like that. And so I decided to enter in the skein and garment competition. And I, uh, I put in some hand spun yarn. So I um, I read the requirements. I knew what I needed to do. They tell you very clearly how big the skein is supposed to be, how many times it's supposed to be tied if you don't tie it that way they take marks off for you. I mean these they're very very stringent. You ma- you must, comp- you know, do exactly what it says. And talking to other people though, they had said that even though it doesn't you, it doesn't tell you to do this on the entry form that it really helps if you put in a narrative about what you're going to make with that yarn and why that yarn is such a good candidate, excuse me, a <clears throat> little frog in my throat, why that yarn is a good candidate for that item that you're going to make. So I took that all into consideration. I um, did two skeins. Um, so I, on the first skein, I wanted to show just how precise I could be. I, um, I apologize if you're not a spinner, but I inchwormed that yarn. I um, I made these beautiful singles. I, I made it into a two-ply. It was probably the, the most consistent yarn that I've ever made, and um, it was not fun. It was not fun at all because it wasn't how I usually worked um, when I spin. Um, the other skein that I made used one of those singles that i just told you about the one that i inchwormed and the other single that would go into the two ply was um a yarn that i spun in my usual haphazard way and so it was a lot more it was a lot more thick and thin it was um it was it was just a different kind of yarn so i entered both of those skeins Um, I got um, on the one that, you know, I spent so much time and attention to. I got an honorable, honorable mention. And they said in the comments that I was not consistent enough. It's like, oh, my God, I was, you know, that's the most consistent I could ever be. Um, I couldn't be any more consistent than that at that time. Um, The other one that had one single that was thick and thin and the other one that was very, very, my most consistent got second place and I want some money again. They said it wasn't very consistent, but they said that um, the item that I was going to make, and I can't even remember what it is that I wrote about that. Um, the item that I was going to make um, would be that the yarn would be perfect for it. So Yes. Always ask people who have entered that show before. Maybe people in your um, crafting groups uh, may have entered that show. And maybe there are some little tips and tricks that they can give you that will help you to be more successful. Because I know I would not have gotten second place with that second skein if I hadn't said what I was going to use that yarn for. And again, that was not part of the requirement. It was something that I put, um, that I added to the entry. And my final thing about entering your first show is, yes, take the leap. What's the worst that can happen? You know, you're still going to, um, you're going to have the experience. Your stuff is going to be out there. Um, you're, you can go and see it in um, an artistic kind of a setting. Um, you know, and what's the worst that could happen? You don't get a, you know, maybe you don't get a prize and maybe you had to pay a little bit of an entry fee, but at the same time you earned experience, right? And, and hopefully it was a fun situation. So I encourage everyone, if you have not ever entered some kind of show, do it. And again, look for your, um, your county fairs your state fairs um, because typically you, you you know, anyone can um, join in that. And it's so great to, again, to see your work out there in the world with other people's work. So here we go with our creativity exercise. And this time it's all about alignment. And so it's, I want you to take some time to make an inventory. And so the inventory, you take out a piece of paper, bring out your creativity journal, and you're going to make a three column table. And so on the first column, it's going to be things that I love to do. So that could be for me. Okay. If I was things I love to do. So cooking, photography, writing, um, et cetera, et cetera, dyeing. And, you know, think of you know, brainstorm as many as um, as you can think of. In this middle section, the middle column, it's things that I'm good at. So these may be some of the things that are on your list that you love to do, or it could be other things that maybe you don't love to do, but you're good at. For instance, um, what would it be for me? Um, like, I'm good at. Uh, accounting but it's not something that I love to do so you could have you know maybe you're good at cooking but it's not something that you love to do you know so so if they may be they may be things that are on your love to do list or they may be things that aren't on your love to do list and then your third column is things that I would like to try so things that are in the back of your mind um like For me, maybe I should take a drawing class instead of, you know, crying and moaning that I don't know how to draw. Maybe I should take a class. You know, of course, my committee just told me you're too old to take that class. But, you know, (laughs) maybe I should try it anyway. Now, after you've done this inventory, you know, look at what you've written. Does anything surprise you? Are there items on there that you really do want to explore more of? Things Maybe things that you love to do that you never make time for. Um, Maybe you love to photograph, but you never make time to go out and take your camera and go someplace and do it. So um, this is a really good um, way to align your life, bring it into balance, and and also looking at are there things um, that you want to let go of? Um, maybe there are things that you always um, wanted to try, and you put them on things I would like to try. Um, and then when you when you see it there in writing, it's like maybe I need to let that one go. Maybe this is not something that I want to do. And this kind of um, inventory is really good to do every once in a while, especially if you're feeling a little stale in your creativity and then you can find some pathways that you might want to um, investigate and explore and things that you might want to abandon. So until next time, as always, I love to hear your stories, so keep them coming in. You can leave a comment on the episode. You can email me. You can leave a comment on the YouTube video. Um, Like I said, I love hearing what's working for you. And um, how you are um, loving this podcast. And until I see you in person or virtual, happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm GoatHerd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making.